0: sure is good to see everyone this morning. Before we jump into God's word, uh, I do have some family news to share. News I really wish I didn't have to share. Uh, but uh, a fellow outlooker, a really wonderful brother, a great guy named Rich Gerard, passed away suddenly last night. Um, and so I have, of course, no details to share in terms of arrangements, but I want to ask everyone to be praying for the Gerard family, for Debbie, his precious wife, for their kids, and the uh, their whole, just their whole family, this was unexpected and uh, a real tragedy. Rich was uh, a member of the, the team that he, many times, he was up in the tech room, making sure that the slides that come up while I'm talking are the right ones. And um, he really loved being on that team and took that work seriously. And he's just a super loved, anyone who knew him loved him. He's just one of those guys. And um, I'm very sorry to say, that that news just hit the family late last night. And so uh, I would love it if we would join together in prayer uh, and lift Debbie up and the whole family up to the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, it's in moments like this, we don't know what to do but to turn to you. And we do, we turn to you. And we ask God that you would be with Debbie and the girls and their whole family um, as they're just absorbing this sudden and tragic News, we ask Holy Spirit that you would be the comforter that you promised to be, and that we have confidence that you are. Uh, We will continue to lift that family up to you. Help us, Lord, as their church family, to surround them. Give us the uh, energy, the opportunity, the attention that we need to know how to best serve them, that they'll just know uh, down to their bones that they're very, very loved by you and by, by us. Lord, thanks that we can talk to you about these things. Thanks that you promise us that we can grieve and should grieve such losses, but that we don't grieve like everyone else. We get to grieve with hope because Rich knew you, Lord Jesus, knows you, Lord Jesus, leans on your grace, was such a happy uh, person, such a happy receiver of that grace. And... uh, Let that be an example to us all, Lord. Help us to think of him and think of you as we think of him. Lord, as we open up your word, we certainly ask that you'd speak to us, use this time for your good purposes. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, thanks for praying with me. Uh, We are in a series right now about sharing our faith, how we love our neighbor by sharing our faith with other people. And I have to make a confession. Uh, I once went door to door trying to tell people about Jesus. Um, Or at least I was, the key phrase, trying to tell people about Jesus. It was the church I was a part of when I was in college. And this church in the small town that it was situated in uh, brought in kind of an outside person to train us all in how to go door to door with a three-question survey about spiritual matters that might prompt a spiritual conversation. And right there on someone's doorstep, the idea was that perhaps even though we've never met and I don't know you, I'll be able to introduce you to Jesus. Now, uh, I admit I wasn't too cracked up about doing it. The bait and switch felt a little weird to me. However, it was a whole church event. I was young and I wasn't gonna be unsupportive. Um, In reflection, I think it was good hearted. It might've been a little wrong headed. And I'm not saying that God can't use such efforts, but what I do want us to realize this morning is that I think for a lot of us, when we think of sharing our faith, we might think of efforts like that or something akin to that. And we think, oh, that must be what's needed. And we can't imagine doing that. And so we count ourselves out. And so when it comes to a sermon about sharing your faith, we automatically just start to think, ah, it's for someone else. That's probably not for me. We don't do what we can because we think we can't do what's needed. But let's step back this morning and ask ourselves, what do the scriptures actually say when they speak to us about loving our neighbor through sharing our faith? And maybe it's not about being especially heroic or holy and more about being honest and humble and generous and prayerful. Remember the stat that we shared at the end of the sermon two weeks ago. 79% of people who say they have no religious faith at the moment also say, I don't mind talking to a friend about their faith if they really value it. So that tells us that if we can just simply be friends to people, and that if we can truly value our faith for what this beautiful, you know, just great thing that it is happening in our life, then maybe we can reframe this concept of what it means to share our faith with others. So my goal this morning is in the next few minutes to nudge us from, Mm-mm, I can't do that, to, oh, I am that, or I can become that. Now, we began this series by reminding ourselves that it is love that opens the door to a trusted introduction of someone to Jesus. Love always is what will open that door. Now, today we're gonna to look at the practical ways to build that bridge and show that love from us to others. And all of these are certainly described in the scripture. So we're gonna talk about four things briefly this morning. The first one is meeting needs Second one is being ourselves. Thirdly, we're gonna talk about inviting people to church. And fourthly, praying actively. So let's dive right in, you ready? All right, me too. First one, meeting needs. People have real needs in their lives and those needs don't get met accidentally, right? They get met intentionally. They get met by other people caring and getting involved in doing something, serving them, seeing a need and meeting that need that's what love feels like it's my needs getting met by the fact that someone else pays attention and cares in fact that often quoted truism really is true people don't care what you know till they know that you care right now last week mike wilkins did a tremendous job making that clear to us didn't he just such a, a great sermon great to hear from mike uh, if you missed last week's sermon, I'd urge you to jump online, take that in. Mike is uh, formerly our missions pastor, missions and outreach pastor here. Now he's the pastor of our daughter church, Renewal Community Church, also uh, the nonprofit associated with that, Renewal. Uh, neighborhood ministry. We are so happy and so blessed to hear all the good things God's been doing through both those organizations in the last few years. So many, many thanks to Mike. And it's in the light of that, I'm going to share a little more deeply something he may have just barely touched on in his sermon, but I really want to give it the full treatment this morning when we think about practical ways to meet real needs of people. And that is, I want to invite you to consider tutoring at Renewal, Renewal has put together an infographic with some key insights from their first semester of this new and improved tutoring program called Renewal Scholars. Reading levels are rising among the, uh, the scholars, the students that are being tutored at Renewal, so much so that the overall percentages at IPS 105 are starting to reflect the fruit of this effort. It is exciting to see the consistent progress that's being made. Now, why is this important? Well I'm sure you already know education is a key tool to helping children overcome and escape generational poverty. There's nothing there's 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 few levers quite like the lever of literacy when it comes to helping kids as they grow up escape generational poverty. And so the goal of this program is to ensure that every child in the neighborhood eventually has at least the opportunity to read at grade level and this is a serious need in the neighborhood right now. Now, unfortunately, there's a wait list for students looking to be tutored through this program. So maybe you would make a great tutor. It takes just an hour a week to invest in one of our scholars. We'd love to get you connected with more information. So as we talk about meeting real needs, to share our real faith with other people, man, I just could not help but take a moment and talk about this really cool program because the fruit is so evident, so immediate, so awesome. Uh, it'll make a, a lifetime of difference in not just the lives of the children, but their parents. And then as those children grow to become adults, we're confident that if we can get this kind of help to kids at this stage, it's gonna have an impact on them and their families and on their futures and really the whole neighborhood. So that's, that's one real, uh, an opportunity to meet real needs. Here's a second real quick opportunity that's happening all the time uh, here at Outlook and has for over two and a half decades. And I'm talking about our sports leagues, our, out, our youth sports outreach. There are another super accessible opportunity to serve hundreds of families in our area. You could be a coach, you could be a referee, you can serve behind the scenes. There's so much good stuff to do through this ministry, so much good stuff that happens through uh, this uh, wonderful ministry. So if you're interested in any, uh, in any form of learning more about our sports leagues, hundreds of families make their way to this spot right here and in our fields out back when the weather's not quite as cold as it is right now and we have we have leagues that happen throughout the year and so if you're interested in learning more it is a super practical way to show some real love to meet people and and honestly have a blast doing it those are just two quick examples but we all know we all know what it feels like to start to tune ourselves to seeing and meeting the needs of people around us. And what we're simply saying in this first point is, man, that is a powerful way to share our faith. It can start by simply caring enough to get involved and meet a need. In James chapter two, James puts it like this. Suppose you see your brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a great, have, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. And then you don't give that person any food or clothing. He asks the convicting question, what good does that do, right? It's really what it comes down to. Words are one thing, but man, actions are another thing. So you see, he says, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Sharing our faith, it happens through words, no doubt. And we're gonna actually spend next Sunday's sermon all about those words and how we can learn and, 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 and say those words, share those truths. But if they're not backed up by action, by evidence of actual caring, then they don't get very far, do they? We all know that's true. Listening, caring, serving, taking time, meeting practical needs and meeting people where they are. These are ways we show love and make the gospel believable, believable, right? When someone knows that you care and your actions make that undeniable, then it makes the gospel far more believable. So that's the first thing, simply meeting needs. Remember, we're, we're talking about some accessible things here. We can all do these things. We're moving from I can't do that to I can be that. So the first one, just seeing and meeting needs. But here's the second one, being ourselves. Could it really be true that by me being myself, I can, that can be a fuel or that, that can fuel sharing my faith? Modeling genuineness? Think about it. People ache to get past the phony and the flimsy to the real and the solid, right? How much do we just appreciate people when they're truly themselves, flaws and all, just being their full selves? How we love and how we live the Jesus way can actually light the way. For the people around us, people who need God, maybe even are searching for God, but are having trouble seeing Him. This is exactly the way Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 5. You, he says, are the light of the world. A city on a hill mm, cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says. So he's painted this picture, sitting on a hill or a light, up on a light stand. No one would light a a lamp inside a house and then shove it under a basket, right? He goes, no one would do that. Think about those two word pictures. And then he says, in the same way, let your light shine before people in such a way that they'll see your good actions, not just hear your good words, but see your good actions and glorify your father in heaven, see how much you care, see your acts of service, see what God is doing in and through your life. And that'll point them to him. Now, does this mean we have to live perfect lives or that we follow Jesus flawlessly? I hope not, right? And of course it doesn't, of course it doesn't. In fact, it's exactly when you and I are transparent about our transgressions, God's grace toward them, our power in him to outgrow them, that we tell the gospel story most clearly and most compellingly when we're being ourselves, our real selves. What was that stat at the beginning? I don't mind talking to a friend about their faith if it means something to them, right? If they truly care about it, if it's genuine. So it's our honesty, it's our, our authenticity. It's in those things that our light shines most brightly. It's not about being fake. It's not about pretending you got it all together. Really, it's about the opposite. Just let the light that is in us, that's growing in us, let it glow from us. Now, Paul used another metaphor that I also think is a pretty helpful one. He uses it in 2 Corinthians chapter three. He says to these Christians, your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. He said our new lives, which is what we get to live in Jesus, are a letter written by him for everyone to read. What a great word picture that is for us to visualize. Jesus is turning us into people who make wiser choices, see things more clearly, love people well. In other words, the Holy Spirit is transforming us And this change in us has an effect on those around us. We just need to be ourselves, right? Once a lamp is lit, once a letter is written, our goal is to just let it be. Let it be itself. Let the letter be read. Let the lamp shine. No one puts it under a basket. Don't do that. No one does that, Jesus says. So we set an example, not just in the way we might at first think. It's not about setting an example of perfect behavior. It's not about saying, oh, look at me. It's about saying, look at what God is doing in me, through me, for me, right? We set that kind of example. Now, even right now, even as I'm I'm trying to convince you that this is pretty accessible stuff, something inside might be saying, "Mm, I'm still not so sure. Maybe we think we're too messed up or messed over. To be an example to others in this way. However, let me assure you, nothing conveys more clearly that what the grace, the wisdom, and the healing of Jesus looks like in a human life than simply knowing someone by name my neighbor, my coworker, my family member, my friend knowing someone who's just living into that. Doesn't pretend or think they've got it all down, but is just living into that. Authenticity, not perfection, is what shows others the beautiful way of Jesus. Now we also might wonder if we know enough, sometimes this is a hurdle for us. We think we have to be the Bible answer person before we'll ever be able to share our faith. Well, I don't know enough about the scriptures or enough about theology or whatever, but listen, you know Jesus and you're getting to know him and his way. And that's all it takes just to be someone who's chosen to walk that way, who can say, check this out. I'm learning how to walk in this way. And if you want to join me in learning more about this, I'd be happy for you to join me. In her book, How to Save the World, Alice Matagora puts it like this, being in authentic life-giving relationships means being vulnerable with others, means allowing all of yourself to be seen for who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, and experiencing the deep connection that comes from being accepted just as you are. Friends, I, I sometimes I just wonder if this isn't the best news that anyone could hear, that God, the God who made you accepts you just as you are. He's already died on the cross for you. He's already risen from the dead. He sees you as you are today and believes you're worth it. You are worth the sacrifice. You are worth giving his life. You are worth shedding his blood. You are worth redeeming today. Oh, he'll he'll help you become so many wonderful things in the future, but that's for the future. Today, you're already worth it. Accepted, loved, embraced by a God who's done everything to renew a relationship with you. That, I believe to a lot of people would be really, really good news. She goes on to observe for 38% of non-Christians talking to someone they know who has a deep faith is one of the main ways they learn about Christ. That's one of the the ways they would cite that is, this is one of the main ways I would learn about Christ. Another 32% cite church as a primary place they would go when they're ready to learn about the Christian faith. And this really transitions us to our third point. Not only is it important that we be real with others, but the stats also show how important it is to invite people to church. It starts with a simple question. Would you like to go to church with me? Ask yourself, who do I know, friend, neighbor, coworker, family member, acquaintance, that God is putting on my heart to invite to church? I just talked to someone a minute ago, right before church started, and she's telling, she told me about a friend that she just invited to church and who says she's showing up next week. It's powerful to invite someone to church. Second Corinthians chapter five says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. That's heavy, right? Man, God is making His appeal through us. He wants to and let people know that He's ready to receive them, ready to love them, ready to have a relationship with them. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, inviting people to church isn't exactly the same as inviting them to Jesus or to come back to God, but it's not far off. When we're inviting people to church, we're at least trying to get them in the same room with Him, right? In, ma- in a man- manner of speaking. Like when we gather together and the warmth of our worship, to be around people who believe God is real and true and worthy of our worship, to be around people who, who want to learn God's word, who, who, who honor him in bread and cup and who love each other. If I'm a spiritual seeker and I get to witness and, and, and sense that, experience that, that brings me closer to God. So inviting people to church is definitely Definitely an easy connection to also inviting them, come to God, come back to God. And remember, all the stats point to the fact that many people would at least entertain a personal invitation to church, and many of them would accept it. Let's talk about this for a couple minutes. Because people's impressions of and relationships with church here in our culture are changing. And that change has accelerated in recent years. We've probably all seen or sensed it. According to a book I'm currently reading, which just came out, it's called The Great Dechurching, says in the last 25 to 30 years, the U.S. has experienced the largest and fastest religious shift in its history. As tens of millions of formerly regular Christian worshipers nationwide have decided not to attend church at all. Researchers refer to them as the de-churched. And like so many aspects of our society, what was trending before 2020 has only accelerated in these recent years. About 40 million adults in America today used to go to church and no longer do. That's about 16% of the adult population. And for the first time in the eight decades that Gallup has tracked American religious membership, more adults in the US don't attend church than do. Now, I don't see this as frightening if I'm being real honest with you, and I don't see it as depressing. I see it as clarifying and motivating because I believe people are still as spiritually hungry as ever. They just need a genuine experience of and exposure to the good news of Jesus without maybe all the previous misguided trappings and cultural traps that are sometimes accompanied to this presentation or this invitation toward the gospel. They need a fresh invitation to Jesus and his church. And apparently the data bears this out. Back to the book, when we, when the researchers say they say, when we focused on why this group of people left the church and how they thought they would come back, the answer was simple, belonging. This is why we focus so much on small groups here at Outlook and why we're constantly realizing that as we meet more and more new people, one of their very first requests is to get in a small group. This is more true now than it's ever been in my years of ministry, that's for sure. In fact, when asked how willing they would be to go back to church, just over half of the respondents that the book is studying, the de-churched, they answered willing or very willing. And then the authors conclude, The main takeaway here is that many de-churched people simply need a friend to invite them to church. For hundreds of thousands of them, all they need is a personal invitation to a decent church community. Again, we can do that, right? We can do that. Let me give you just a little, uh, like a kind of a little handle on this idea of inviting people to church. It's, it's on our website. Uh, I'll share the URL in just a second, but there's a page on our website devoted to inviting people to church. And in there is a, is a video that talks about what, what are called the three knots. If we pay attention to people's needs and what's going on in their lives and how we can show them love, there are some openings in their lives that can be, make them just especially ripe for wanting to, uh, accept an invitation to church or that it's especially appropriate to invite them to church. First one might be, I'm not from here. They've moved into the area. That's a great chance to invite someone to church, right? In fact, uh, this bag right here, this is one of our uh, the bags that we distribute. We, we find out every new move in here in 46055, we find out when someone's moved in and we make sure they get this new neighbor gift. And it's got a chance to invite them to church and let them know a little bit about us. In fact, if you're interested in getting involved in this, on this team, in this ministry, just let us know. But it's a chance to just drop those off on doorsteps of houses um, when we know that they're a new move in to the neighborhood. But if you meet someone they're not from here, do you have a church home or would you like to go to church with me? Or you run into someone or, you know, work with someone and they're, they're not doing well. They're not okay. Something's going on in their life that's causing them to stop and reflect and they've got some serious needs and they're not okay. That can be a moment in which extra support is needed. They're open to that extra support. And that's what a church is great at, providing support and love, or maybe something's going on in their life and things aren't going as expected, it's not expected. What's happening is not what I thought would happen, it's not what I was prepared for, and I'm in a period of transition or crisis. That can also be a moment where extra support, extra love, and some community would be just the thing. But man, I just have to wonder how many people feel as though they're alone in what's not expected, or not okay, or they're not from here, and they don't know how to bridge that gap. They don't know how to maybe step across that threshold. But an invitation would do just the thing for them. All of this is, is, is expounded upon. And there's some really fun tools uh, online at outlookchurch.org slash invite. And in fact, there is a, the, the wall there by the uh, doors as you leave this morning. Uh, there's a whole... That URL is across the top and there's some fun printed tools there that you could grab. You can always use those to just invite people to church. Would you come to church with me? So let's not underestimate the power of a sincere invitation to church. Apparently, no small number of people are waiting for one and willing to accept it. So we've talked about a few things so far, meeting people's needs, real needs, being ourselves, inviting people to church. There's one more, and that's praying actively. A couple of weeks ago, when we were watching one of the legacy videos, we heard and saw images uh, that when when we were building this building and the in the next one after it in 2015, 16, um, under the under the floor uh, behind the drywall, uh, there are scriptures and prayers that that people wrote. We spent a lot of time praying for the people God would send our way. In fact, how many of you have found Outlook? You've joined our church since 2009, since 2009. So many, right? Maybe even the majority. Just know you're an answer to prayer. You were prayed for. I still remember a moment over at our former campus on Oakland and Road, where there was nothing here but a soybean field and a sign that said future home of Outlook Christian Church. And we took time in a service to really, in faith, visualize that that sign did not just say, from God's perspective, future home of Outlook Christian Church, but future home of an entire list of names that we wouldn't, people we haven't met yet, but God knew. And God knew this would be the future home of you. So many of you, so many people over the years who come to faith or return to faith and I found a church home here at Outlook. All of that is an answer to prayer. Man, you cannot underestimate the power of praying for people that they would come to know or come back to knowing Jesus. Amen? What does, that, what does all this have to do with sharing our faith? It has a lot to do with it. Another book I'm reading called The Neighboring Church puts it like this. If people find out you're praying for them, we've found that the reaction, no matter what they believe, is almost always extremely positive and appreciative. People wanna be prayed for, they'll welcome that. So pray, the authors say, pray for your neighbors. You may want to ask them, when your relationship is ready for it, what you can pray about for them. Hey, how can I pray for you? That can take your relationship, that can put your relationship at a new level. And when prayers are answered, that's a great open door for life impacting conversations about God. So prayer is part of how we partner with God in this endeavor. And why is that important? Because God cares about the souls of our neighbors even more than we do. He is constantly paying attention to every aspect of their lives. He knows everything about them and he loves them completely. And he is absolutely working through you and me and anyone who's in their lives. He wants to work through all, any number of people to introduce them to him. And he cares even more than we do. So when we're praying about the salvation, about the openness of a neighbor or a friend to say yes to Jesus, we can rest assured we are praying in alignment with the will of God because God wants all people to say yes to him. Amen. In Colossians chapter four, it says, don't be weary in prayer. Keep at it and watch for God's answers. Remember to be thankful when they come. Don't forget, Paul goes on to say, to pray for us, too, that God will give us many chances to preach the good news of Christ. Pray that I will be bold enough to tell it freely and fully and make it plain as, of course, I should. And like I said, we'll talk more next week about how you and I can even get better and better at making it plain and telling it freely and fully as we should. It's a confused and confusing world. Let's make one thing, at least, the most important thing, as Paul puts it here, plain God is and his love. That's what all this is. Everything we've talked about this morning, that's what all of it is. Meeting needs, being ourselves, inviting people to church, praying for them actively. It's all love. Amen. Practical ways we show love. So often a person receiving an invitation to church or the offer of prayer is touched that you care enough to think of them Inviting them to a place and a space that's precious and important to you or that you would take the time to talk to God about them and their lives. To have a truly felt need and then see it met by someone who cares. To meet someone who's genuine, not phony or fancy, right? A person who's learning to live by faith. What a refreshing and undeniable experience that would be for someone who's open and looking but not yet finding a relationship with God. We can be that. And that's our good news. That's good news to us this morning. We can provide that to others like a light that simply glows. Amen? Well, that's who we've always wanted to be and aim to be as a church. As we've been reflecting on our church's legacy these last few weeks, it could not be more clear that this is a congregation who has always been, way before any of us were ever around, always been, focused on shining a light to the community, inviting others in, and doing whatever it takes to be that welcoming, inviting presence. And so we have one last video to show today as we are about to wrap up the communication phase of this giving initiative and uh, transition to Commitment Sunday next week. So uh, we're going to watch our last legacy video. Then I'm just going to share a few quick things uh, before we go home this morning. So enjoy this video. In these preceding videos, we've gotten to hear the story that God is writing through our church. From way back in 1866 all the way up to the present day, through icy creek baptisms, painting parties and church basketball teams. Generation upon generation of people have called Oakland and Christian Church, and now Outlook Christian Church, their home. Ours is a church family that endures and looks forward to what's ahead. At every stage of our history, we find a congregation eager to take ownership with a high degree of responsibility for the health of the church. We find members faithful to steward resources well. And we find a people desiring not only to enjoy the blessing they receive, but to bring that blessing forward so it might outlast them and bless generations to come. And so it's only natural to spend a concerted amount of time, energy, and love Sharing the story and legacy of our church, as we launch this legacy fund with the specific purpose of moving our mortgage towards zero as quickly as we are able to prepare the church for whatever's next. In recent years, our budget has been constrained as we've been navigating the changes and challenges our world and our church have endured. So, at times, our ministry budgets have been paused to ensure our mortgages paid faithfully. We always aim for the quality of our ministry to be effective in serving people and glorifying to God. But we know the quantity isn't what it could be. There's so much more good to do. This is simply our current reality. This means that it's time to make a focused effort, a specific ask, and invite us all to take up the legacy we've been given and make an over and above giving commitment to close the books on our mortgage, the sooner the better, so each generation of our precious congregation may continue in wise financial stability and future growth. And we've come to learn that such an ask is a benefit to all of us who answer the call. We've seen it through the hearts and memories of the outlookers who laid the foundations for the blessings we now enjoy, and from those who found purpose in being a part of the bigger story of the church and of God's kingdom. These same outlookers have found that giving financially is a natural, joy-filled response to the richness they received in this church family and maybe the best way to invite you in is to let them share with you themselves in their own words and from their own experience how things like building campaigns and giving initiatives really do serve to cultivate our faith and spiritual growth and make us stronger as a result
1: You know, it's not just about the money. It's not about a building. It's about church. It's about people. When you're able to give and the church is able to have, you know, a lower mortgage, it really does just begin to benefit so many other people because you're able to take that and then distribute it elsewhere. It brings me joy. I just feel like, you know, I'm contributing, I'm giving my part to help outlook complete the mission we can't do things without
0: funds you know it takes money to keep the lights on
1: the more you give the more you get involved the more you're you're a part of a community you're you're a part of a church family You see needs in a whole different way, whether it's needs financially, um, where, okay, we're going through a hard time and we need to give over and above what maybe we were doing and stretch ourselves. It never feels like it's a duty or a requirement or I'm checking a box or anything like that. It's definitely, you know, um, it brings a closeness between me and God.
0: It's literally joyful to give. We love to give.
1: I feel like people definitely get more in return than what you're giving. so. It's very joyous to me every week because um, we, we give weekly. And like every week, I don't know, I just, I like it. <laughs> it's just part of me now. I want to be a part. I want to jump on board. I want to be there to help. You know, everything is God's anyway. That's right. It's not yours to begin with. He, he, he gave it to us. He blesses us with that. So I think when you rethink about your resources as really that you're just a steward of that, that like you're holding on to it temporarily to use, then it's a lot more freeing to let it go. When you want to put it back into
0: the environment that has been blessing you for so long.
1: This is my home, and this is my church, and it's such a blessing. Our generosity lends itself to generations to come, and that's what legacy means to me it, it, it for future generations to enjoy um, what we've left behind.
0: That's why expansions are important, that's why serving is important, that's why uh, giving financially is important. It may not impact us today, but it will eventually impact us in a positive way.
1: Look at this building for example, you know, you think about where um, Outlook started, it was our past generations that lends itself to us being to the place that we are now. And know how we feel having been benefactors of generosity and then knowing that we could then become the people who are, you know, giving that to other people is great. If you want to give to something that is going to be lasting you know this is a perfect opportunity for that obviously the church has been here for a long time and it's going to continue to be here for a long time um, so to be a part of that is very rewarding we are genuinely part of an outlook family we might be just one church but we can make a huge impact you know i want to be a part of that i want to be a part of being the hands and feet of Jesus to as many people as possible because that's what it's all about. <laughs> I wanted to be a part of what the church was doing. I want to be a part of reaching more people for God. Um, you know, that's it's I'm gonna get emotional. But I think about, you know, when I'm gone, I want to have an investment of in something that's gonna be here when I'm no longer here.
0: sweet. It's such a, it is such a pleasure and a privilege to, to work with such a great congregation. And it's been so much fun uh, visiting so many uh, small groups and having so many conversations with so many of you and just witnessing the support and the enthusiasm that everyone is expressing uh, regarding this next challenge for us, this next mountain we're gonna climb, this next project we're gonna tackle. And so thank you for all of that. Uh, Like we said, the purpose of the, of this giving initiative is simple. It's to move our mortgage towards zero. Uh, If you haven't ever picked up one of these brochures, you feel free to, they're on a chair nearby inside them is a commitment card. And I'm just drawing your attention to it to ask you to pray. That's all we're doing is communicating the, the, the project and then asking everyone to pray, God, how would you like me to be involved? Uh, and then joyfully answering that prayer through your own commitment. Commitment Sunday is next Sunday. If you can't make it, you can certainly make your commitments anytime, but we will have a time in our service next week in which we'll all uh, be able to turn in our commitments. Uh, So pray over these cards, every Outlook household. Tamara and I will be doing the same and uh, making our commitments uh, next Sunday. So thank you for that. And then the three years of giving will start in March. As always, everything about Legacy is now and will continue to be online at this URL. You can email me anytime with questions or curiosities you have about anything regarding this. And Commitment Sunday will be next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for your support and enthusiasm. And thanks for coming to church today. I hope you know that you're loved. Have a wonderful week and go in peace.